Don't forget to check out another podcast of ours called Escaping 1980, where we explore the causes, impacts, and lasting effects of one of the most infamous events in American agricultural history, the 1980s farm crisis. You'll find Escaping 1980 wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, everyone. It's David with Ag Economic Insights joining you for this week's edition of the Ag Uncertainties podcast. I'm solo this week with Brent and Harvest looking forward to getting some guest co-hosts to join and, and share some of their insights in the coming weeks. But had a couple things that I really want to talk about today. So I have two big ideas to share with you all today. The first one is an article that Brent and I put together. It's a what we're thinking about memo. It's available on AEI Premium. And we wanted to talk about the implications of low interest rate and asset valuations. One of the things that's really hard to explain and talk with folks about is the implications of interest rate, low interest rates on asset values. Generally, when we think about low interest rates, the first thing that comes to folks' mind is, oh, it's going to be easier to service that debt because it, lower interest rate means lower interest expense. And while that's true, arguably, especially in low interest rate environments, interest rates that are very low have implications on asset values. And so what we try to do here is, is show the idea of, you know, how does a 100 basis point movement or how does a one a movement from 9% to 8%, for example, in the discount rate, how does that impact the valuation? So what we've plotted here is, okay, if you have $100 of annual income that's coming in, maybe think about a bond or a farmland that's going to generate $100 in income. As we move to different discount rates. And we have a chart here. You can check that out on this article. You can see how that moves. And the thing that's really interesting and to really think about is if you have a 10% discount rate and it's $100 a year, you would value that at about $1,000. That's sort of the back of the envelope economist way of thinking about that. But if you move that discount rate to say 5%, so we're cutting it in half, 500 basis points, then the asset valuation gets to 2000 but what you really want to focus on is when we're towards the right-hand side of the spectrum, when we get to low interest rates, you know, a hundred basis point movement starts to have much bigger implications. And so it took 500 basis points to go from 10% to 5% to get a doubling. Well, we would also get a doubling going from 4% to 2%. Again, that's only 200 basis points. So when we get to these very, very low interest rate environments, these very low discount rate environments, what happens is, is we can have very big changes in capital assets. So really encourage you to take a look at that article, dive into it, spend some time thinking about it. Again, I think this is one of the more overlooked trends or phenomenons that's going on here in farmland, but in all asset values and all parts of the economy. So this is a huge part of this low interest rate environment that we're in. So want to keep an eye on that. The second thing that I wanted to share and wanted you to think about a little bit is something that Brent and I talk a little bit about, probably could talk a little bit more about it. It's the idea of chaos of decision-making. So a little bit of a story to kick this off. I grew up in the part of the Midwest, the Great Plains known as Tornado Alley. And you know that's very chaotic weather. And growing up, there was a recipe for this chaos in the weather. And so we knew that warm, moist, or humid air coming out of the Gulf of Mexico would come up from the south. And then when that 
clashed or mixed or met up with cool, dry air coming off the Rocky Mountains, that would be the recipe for a chaotic weather event. And it was always a bit ironic to me thinking about this growing up that even to this day, that these two weather features, warm, humid air coming out of the Gulf of Mexico, cool, dry air coming off the Rocky Mountains. In my mind, these were just sort of average each other out. You'd have a, a pretty nice day, but they don't. They actually play off each other and, and they don't average. They exacerbate the situation and create this chaos in the weather. And so where these two mix, you have a storm and on the backside of the storm, you have cool afternoon or cool evening, but where they collide, they create this thunderstorm line or the squall line, and it takes off and you start to have this potential chaotic weather. So it's with this idea of chaos, when these two things that opposite, they seem like they would average each other out or, or wash each other out and they don't, we see this in decision-making as well. And so on the one hand, we have uncertainty. And there's a lot of uncertainty out there all the time, but it seems like the uncertainty today is maybe greater than normal or greater than we'd prefer it to be. There's a lot of uncertainty out there in almost every aspect. There's a lot of things that we're thinking about when it comes to uncertainty. The second part or the second ingredient that we have in this is a torrent of information. And by torrent, we mean a lot of it, just a fire hose of information. Now, again, these two things seem like they would be compliments, that they would sort of average each other out, that this uncertainty about an issue, you would want to fill that uncertainty with lots of information. But the torrent is too much information. What does that mean? Well, there's a lot of noise but just a few signals. And so what you find yourself doing is you're searching and searching for more information, but you actually are just becoming overwhelmed with all of the noise and you have to find the few signals. In fact, it gets more difficult because you're sifting through more noise. As you add more information, you're adding probably more noise and fewer signals on a relative basis. And so you have to sort through this. This is why we put together AEI Premium. We believe that our work, we're trying to help people think about uncertainty with the tools like the Ag Forecast Network, but also with the torrent of information by sharing what we think are really relevant links to other articles or writing about data-driven insights that can help you break down the news and not just be breaking news. Why I wanted to share this today is because as a decision maker, I want you to think about this as sort of a red flag. When you have a situation about uncertainty and all of a sudden you see a torrent of information coming in, a lot of just noise of information coming into this decision-making process, it's going to create chaos. And so what can you as a decision maker do? Well, you should always step back and say, okay, how can I start to frame up the uncertainty in a better way so that I can start to think about it in a more critical and more strategic and a more disciplined way? The second piece is, is how do I sift through the noise to find the signals. Is this new piece of information that I'm gathering going to add some new relevant piece of information? And I'll give you the one that comes to my mind is fertilizer. There's a lot of uncertainty around fertilizer price and a lot of uncertainty around a fertilizer availability in the future. Where's it going to be in the future? Should I lock it in the day? It seems really high, but there's also all this information overload. Every time I'm online or I'm on social media, you see this commentary about fertilizer. It's very distortive to our thinking. And so the challenge that I have for you is to always step back and say, okay, is this new piece of information helping me with the uncertainty? Is this new information a signal or is it just a noise? And we really have to cut back and we have to get very strategic in what we're thinking about and how we're using that in our decision-making process. So be careful of the 
decision-making chaos, that thunderstorm that can happen. Again, it's the combination of two things that would, on the surface, seem to offset each other, but they don't. They amplify, they magnify, and they bring out the worst of each of each other. In our observations, it's when you have an uncertainty and you just have a never-ending stream of information, of chatter, of news beating down the door to tell you about this uncertainty. And you see this from time to time. And I believe in Act Today, we have this going on with respect to the fertilizer. So uh, this isn't to say it's not a big issue. It's not to say that it, it's not a frustration. All of these things are true. But if you want to make a good decision, if you want to insulate yourself from the chaos of that decision-making process, you as a decision-maker need to find ways to insulate yourself by really framing up the uncertainty but also getting very specific on the types of information that you're consuming. And we hope that we help you out along the way, but you can apply this to all aspects and facets of your life. One last thing I want to share with you all, we have a couple questions coming up about the upcoming WASI report. And of course, there's going to be a lot of folks focusing on this. I will share my forecast. And the question that we've posed is, uh, what's the probability of them raising corn yields? Of course, 176.3 is where we were in September. And what's the probability of us getting above 50.6? That was a September estimate here in the October WASI. So I did really bad last time. So I've just phoned in a 50-50 chance for both of these because I'm, I'm just trying not to get a zero score like I got last time. I'm going to dial this in a little bit as we get closer. The report comes out on October the 12th. So we opened this a little bit earlier. I just wanted to share the consensus on the corn. It's been dipping around a little bit. Folks are adding their forecast right now. It's a 50-50 chance of corn yields going up. It had been about a 38% chance. So some more forecasts came in here recently. The second question is, what's the probability of corn yields being above trend? And what we can see is it's about a 55% chance. It had been as high as a 60% chance. So really think about what types of information we know today and which way we're leaning. In general, there's been a little more upside expectations on soybean yields than we had on corn yields. So where are your expectations? What's forming your expectations? Again, I'm speaking from experience. I got way off off kilter, off tilt last month. And so I got a really bad score. We've talked about that. So I'm trying to sort of shoot down the middle and be careful. I'm watching trade expectations. So what's really forming those expectations? It's kind of interesting to look at both of those questions together. What information would make you think maybe one crop is going to has a higher probability of having a higher yield versus the other one having a lower probability of having a higher yield in this latest report. I encourage you to read our article about the implications of low interest rates and asset values. Again, that's a really big thing. I want you to think a lot about the chaos in decision-making and how we can have too much information and too much ambiguity about the uncertainty and how that can really create a lot of frustrations for us. Update your forecast. We'll be back and we'll break down uh, the latest news here next week and hopefully get us some new insights and new articles. In the meantime, stay curious. 